Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch, fastball, pull the Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Heath never wants to talk about Lance Lynn again, but unfortunately, we have to talk about Lance Lynn. But we also get to talk about Clint Frazier, who double-donged yesterday and was a great call by Mr. Heath Cummings. Yes, Heath is here. I am Adam. Chris Towers is also here. What's up, guys? What do you think of uh, the Tuesday night around baseball? It was fun. We got a Juan Soto home run. He's starting to heat up. Uh, Caleb Smith was awesome again. Wait, and uh, who's starting to heat up? Juan Soto. Okay, I think that you say Juan. Like you he, did, does, he does say Juan. Yeah, it's yeah. It's I just throw that it's a, out. It's there. a WH down, <laughs> yeah. which maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, just just throw that out there. That's all. <laughs> Actually, <clears throat> I, I want to be I'm not in the mood for well, your well, no, it's just I'm I'm being I am me, the the only person on the show with any Hispanic heritage who grew up in Miami. Not Coral Springs, Miami. Right. Right. Different different countries. Yeah. Different places. So are you saying it is actually Juan? And and I'm being lectured from from the guy from Kansas. I'm not lecturing you, Adam did it. And the seventh member of Newfound Glory. That's me. About, uh, I'm just. Also, I'm not from Kansas. I mean, Kansas City. You know. Not even in Kansas. What kind of so city are, is are that? You, are, have we been saying it wrong? Is it Juan? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> hey, look, I didn't yes, say I it don't was know wrong. how to pronounce anyone's name. I, I, I didn't say it was wrong. But I did ask you guys before the show, hey, give me one hitter that's just going to go crazy over the next month. And that was Chris's guy, Juan Soto. Uh, so, would you like to elaborate on that? He has eight hits in his last five games, and he did homer yesterday. Now, I, this didn't have to be a necessarily fantasy-relevant segment. Just for fun, pick your guy who's going to go crazy over the next month, and Chris is picking Juan Soto. Yeah, well, first off, he's due, um, and that's very important. But, I mean, Juan Soto is an incredibly talented hitter who... You know, I think there have been some flaws pointed out in his game uh, that pitchers have picked up on. Last season, he was really, really incredible against fastballs, and he really couldn't hit anything else all that well. You're probably starting to see him get a lot more breaking balls and off-speed pitches. Now it's time for him to adjust, and I believe in his talent level, and I believe in the work that he's willing to put in enough to say that, we're going to see a monster stretch at some point from him. He's too talented not to. Um, and why not now? Okay, so Chris is going with Soto. Heath, I'm crossing my fingers that you're right on this one, but I'm I'm getting a little worried. In fact, it's Worryometer Wednesday. This guy almost was on the Worryometer. But your player to have a big month to go crazy over the next month is David Dahl of the Rockies. There's a couple of reasons for this. One, I wrote about him in Regression Alert two days ago saying that he had the highest BABIP in baseball. And other than that, he'd mostly been bad. And a lot of times the BABIP can regress while his actual performance may just go back to what it was before this terrible start. And he could still be good, but more importantly, it's that the Rockies have a 10 game homestand coming up starting, I believe Friday. And they get the Orioles pitchers and the blue Jays pitchers at course field. 
And so if you're ever going to go yeah. on a hot streak, it's either going to Camden Yards or at Coors Field against those bad pitchers. Yeah, he is striking out 34% of the time, David Dahl, and still has a 432 Babbitt. He's just struggling and sometimes sits against lefties, but this is the, the you know, once that homestand starts, it's it's basically it could be make or break cuz they just they're not committed to playing him every day. That's maybe a little drastic, but it's an important week for David Dahl. My guy's JD Martinez. He's got nine home runs in 44 games. He's hit 43 and 45 home runs in his previous two seasons. His home run to fly ball rate's 14.5%. It's been around 30% each of the previous two seasons. J.D. Martinez has been good. He has not been great. He is about to be great. In fact, he's probably already started four home runs in a three-game stretch last week. He missed yesterday's game with an illness. I pretty much blew an opportunity to trade Jose Ramirez for J.D. Martinez. It wouldn't have been straight up, but... Uh, I, I probably could have done that, and now I don't think I can do that anymore because J.D. Martinez is going to go off. Would not surprise me if he has one of those 30-game uh, stretches with like a 1,300 OPS. That's my Adam, guy. Adam? Yes. I agree. Our listeners should start J.D. Martinez. No, you should acquire J.D. Martinez. You should give up something really, really good for J.D. Martinez because he's going to be really, really amazing. He's going to blow everybody so I should give away. up Mike Trout. Should not give up Mike Trout. You should give up... Just for the next 30 days. And then I trade him right back. You could give up Freddie Freeman for J.D. Martinez. Well, yeah. Well, what do you mean? Well, yeah, Freddie, uh, Freddie you Freeman. You should have always done that. Okay, but you could actually pull it off now. Freddie Hopefully. Freeman, by the way, is, is awesome. <laughs> so. Oh, he's great. Yeah, but so is J.D. Martinez. Tuesday's standouts. And, yes, we have the Warriometer coming up. And we have our stats versus Baltimore segment. But who stood out? Heath, I'll throw it to you. Who stood out to you on, uh, on Tuesday? Uh, do we want to talk about Clint Frazier now? Mm. Is it a good time? Uh, you know, or you'd what? like to wait. Well, I mean, if we're talking about standouts and somebody double donged, it seems like they would be the standout of the day. There you go. And the Heath is on, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, Clint Frazier. So I have Frazier in three or four leagues, and I only started him in one league. And I'll tell you why. He, in his previous 12 games, had been batting 150 with 15 strikeouts. He sat on Monday, so when I saw he was out of the lineup on Monday, I said, "All right, get him out of the lineup for the week." And he homered and drove in five. He homered twice and drove in five runs yesterday at Baltimore. So, what are your thoughts on Clint Frazier, who's sixty-two percent owned? Um, I think he's mostly a pretty good hitter who should be a pretty good hitter and close to a must-start outfielder until all the Yankees are healthy. Okay, so my stats, my my versus Baltimore stat. I have Clint Frazier and Gary Sanchez, but we'll focus on Frazier right now. Batting 409 with five home runs in six games against Baltimore. Batting 233 with three home runs in 25 games against everyone else. Sanchez, meanwhile, top five catcher, fifth in points, second in roto, has an IL stint, probably the number one catcher per game. But 308 with eight home runs in nine games against Baltimore, 241 with six home runs in 22 games against everyone else. So it's, you know, I, I bring this up with Glaber Torres all the time. It's hard for me to evaluate some of these Yankees because they are beating up on the worst pitching staff in baseball history that's already given up 100 home runs. They are going to shatter the record. And, yeah, I, I guess, what do you think about that? So you said it's 241 with six home runs in 22 games against non-Orioles? Yeah, for Sanchez. Okay, so that would be 36 homers over 132 games with a 241 average. That's pretty much what I was hoping for from okay. Gary Sanchez. So he still has seven games left against the Orioles, so you can add on <laughs> four or five more home runs. 
Uh, actually, I think it's only six now. Before four home runs, on top of that, gets to you to 40. So I think it's been pretty awesome for Gary Sanchez. Okay, fair. What about Frazier? I generally... It's hard to know the cause and effect on these things. Yes, the the Orioles are very bad. But they will face other bad teams. And it's always hard to know whether it's he got hot and had a stretch of five good games in a row and it happened to coincide with the Orioles or he got hot and then the Orioles exacerbated the heat. Um, So the the sample sizes are so small in both instances. How many games for Clint Frazier not against the Orioles? 25. Yeah, like it's, it's just hard to say one way or the other on that. I think they're, obviously I think Gary Sanchez is an elite fantasy option. I think Clint Frazier's, uh, a very good hitter. So, well, I think what worries me about Frazier just getting rid of the whole Orioles thing because, you know, he played the Orioles earlier in the year and then he stayed hot for 13 games after that before going on the IL. But he has six walks of 31 strikeouts in 31 games. Mm-hmm. He doesn't steal, you know, he basically has the homer and he might have a limited shelf life and he's terrible on defense. So, I, I he's 62% owned. Does he need to be more owned than that? That seems fine. I think he needs to be more owned than that. Okay. Well, obviously, you know he has a ton of potential. Uh, other standouts. Chris, who you got? Well, let's let's do the yo-yo thing with Herman Marquez, who had a 3.80 ERA after his last start. Now it's 3.38, eight shutout innings, seven strikeouts, one walk against the Pirates, notably on the road. And the th- that's the thing, is he's going to need to be... Like, we can't have too many more starts like his previous one on the road. He needs to be awesome. Max Scherzer yeah. good yeah. on the road in order to be, you know, a top 25 starting pitcher. And I think that's what he is. Uh, the question for me is, I'm not so sure he's an, you know, a borderline ace like we might have hoped based on the last 20 starts of last year. Yeah, he's made, now made six starts away from Coors Field, has a 2.08 ERA, averaging more than seven innings per start with a whip of 0.74. So he's been super Max Scherzer yeah. on the road. At home, 5.34 ERA with a 1.67 whip. I would guess those two things come back towards each other a little bit, You know, probably more like a 2.7 ERA on the road and a 4.5 ERA at home, but... That's high. You know, that's I, I bad. Think, yeah, that's. Oh, I, I, I just, I think troubling. it comes out to like a three eight ERA with a ton of strikeout, yeah. which isn't an ace, but it's a very good pitch. Right. It would be, a, it would be a little disappointing from my perspective. What I wonder is going to happen with Marquez. His next two starts are home, Baltimore and Toronto. I, he could be great in those two starts. We could sit here and say, well, he's cured. And then realize it was just the competition. But so, again, like it's a big week for David Dahl or a big stretch for David Dahl. The next two home starts for Marquez are important. If he struggles against Baltimore and Toronto, that could be problematic. Uh, those will be home starts. So how about this? I, I had a segment called Rank These Starting Pitchers Part 1. Uh, I'll save Part 2 for later, but let's do Part 1. These were the you know must-start guys, probably top 30. I don't know where you have Armand Marquez, but the rest of them are, are top 30 pitchers. Uh, rank these pitchers rest of season. Zach Greinke, Clayton Kershaw, Domingo Herman, Herman Marquez. Ooh, that's like a before and after on Wheel and Fortune. On Wheel of Fortune, Domingo Herman Marquez. Zach Wheeler. 
Zach Granke, Clayton Kershaw, Domingo Herman, Herman Marquez, and Zach Wheeler. How would you rank them? Is Domingo Herman Marquez the best version of that that you could do in Major League Baseball right now? Of a before and after? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm going to think about that while you guys rank these pitchers. <laughs> I'll rank them Kershaw, Granke, Marquez, Wheeler, Herman. That's exactly how I'd rank them. Is that one better than Garrett Cole Hamels? Damn it! You mm. thought about that immediately, and I'm sitting here. I had Derek Cole Hamels. Yeah, that's got a. That's probably the the better one. Well, um, better how? Yeah, I, that's how I would put it. But I would say, like, for me, Kershaw and Grinky are both in the ace tier, and then Her- Marquez and Wheeler kind of in the same tier, and then Herman is below the rest of them. Domingo Herman is nine and one with a two sixty ERA, still struggling to get through the order three times. Mm-hmm. He, he's faced such an easy schedule. I know he's a sell high, but to what degree? Because I, I, I do think he's good. And I think if there's one team where you can pitch five, six innings every time and get a lot of wins, it's it's probably the Yankees with their bullpen. Um, I, not one I team, would he's say, one, one of the one teams. This is one maybe yeah. that will kind of, I, I don't know if it would work or not. Um, I would rather sell him for Jack Flaherty. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like thirty percent of our listeners could pull that off. I would make all, all I would these. Sell him for Wheeler. Yeah, yeah. That I was thinking that was an obvious one. It's just, it's a question of like, how good do we think Armand Marquez is moving forward? Do we think he's a who three point two Domingo Armand? There you go. Do we think he's like a three point two ERA guy? If he is, and he doesn't pitch deep into games, I think you could probably still expect a decent amount of wins, but. Last season, Masahiro Tanaka had a 3.75 ERA. He wasn't bad, and he had 12 wins and 27 starts. So, I I think the success in wins so far is, oh, I yeah. would say, f- oh, five, 50% of it is probably just randomness because uh-huh. nobody else on the team is winning games like that. Right. Well, okay. So, what do you think Armand's ERA is rest of season? Three five. Yeah, I would say something in that range. Okay. Certainly, you don't have to feel like, you know, you got to get rid of him. You're not going to be able to start him. He's good. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lance Lynn is my standout, and (laughs) he's 34% owned. His last three starts, so so yesterday's 120 pitches over seven innings with 11 strikeouts against Seattle. Last three starts for Lynn, 21 innings, six earned runs at Houston, at Kansas City, and Seattle. 24 strikeouts to three walks in those 21 innings. I mentioned Kansas City and Seattle. Those just happen to be his two matchups next week. At Seattle without D. Gordon and home against Kansas City. He is a two-star pitcher. Is Lance Lynn a must-own for next week at 34% own right now? Okay, I was willing to accept the premise of this whole discussion and just knowing that as soon as Homer Bailey has two good starts in a row, we get to talk about him again <laughs> because you've broken our pact. I will say Lance Lynn is a fairly good streaming option for next week in a points league. I would not come anywhere close to saying Lance Lynn is a must-own for next week. Okay, we're not, I, I'm, I'm just it. caught up on you saying we get to talk about Homer Bailey. We made, it, that, we that, made a deal. That seems... Maybe we have to talk about Homer Bailey might be the better way to phrase it. Get to. We yeah. are blessed. The, I, don't, I don't think that's how it works. I think the deal was I said, can we never talk about Homer Bailey again? And Heath said, only if we never talk about Lance Lynn again. But here we are talking about Lance Lynn. So he's 34% owned. And then, you know, it's a lot of pitchers on today's show, but I got to throw a hitter out there. Marwin Gonzalez. In his last 16 games, he's batting 381 
with three homers and four doubles, a 1038 OPS, a 467 BABIP there, but still some power. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez is only 42% owned. He's eligible just about everywhere. What do you think about Marwin right now? I wrote about him in waiver wire today, not as an ad, but as a winner. I think the interesting thing is I believe this was his first start since Miguel Sano came back. So they have got a bit of a roster crunch right now. They have about 17 DHs on that team and only so many positions you could play a DH. So um, I, I'm encouraged by the fact that he's starting to hit again like he ha- did in Houston. Uh, but I don't know that he has everyday playing time. I mean, he, so he's, no. this 16 game stretch has taken place over 20 games for the Twins. So that's actually a little better than I would have thought. Right. It's just that Sano came back four days ago and he sat the bench. Yeah. No, um, no, that's, that's, I'm sorry. I don't mean to jump all over you, but Sano came back. He started four of six games since Sano came back. Uh, now, now, he, that's it. He had a couple days off then? Uh, he's, maybe it was, no, I don't know. Uh, he didn't start Sunday or Monday. But he did start Thursday, Friday, and Saturday with Sano. But and and the thing with the Twins is, playing time's been a little harder to come by for him than we might have expected. But this is a team that's had everything go right for them so far this season, pretty much across the board. Um, I guess Miguel Sano getting hurt in spring training is the one exception. That's not going to be the case moving forward. Someone, you know someone's going to slow down or someone's going to get hurt and they're going to have to fill more spots. And and so I, I think Marwin Gonzalez is probably going to play a little more. I, I just think the question is... Is he good? Is he... Yeah. Like, right now, his season line looks like what it did last year. Which is good. If that's the case, <laughs> he's worth owning almost exclusively because he's eligible at five positions, not because he's particularly valuable in and of himself. All right. We got a lot to get to today. Trevor Bauer, Jose Ramirez on the Worryometer, also Starling Marte, Tommy Pham, Chris Archer, Andrew Benintendi, Daniel Murphy. They're all on the Worryometer. That's coming up. A few things to promote. We're all, Chris, uh, let me get a look at you. Are you wearing blue today, Chris Towers? Double, triple blue. Okay. Blue I'm, pants, blue shirt, blue jacket. We're all wearing blue today. How do you know? How can you, be, do you believe me? You think I'm lying? You can fact check us. By watching our video, uh, we have VODs. We, uh, these are cut up into small VODs for the website. But if you want to watch the full show, you can go to our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube.com and search for CBS Sports and you will see it there. We've got a lot of podcasts that you need to be listening to. CBSSports.com slash podcasts for a full listing and ways to subscribe. Fantasy baseball, fantasy football, uh, boxing, MMA, and wrestling all in one podcast. A golf podcast that's three times a week. The first cut. It's awesome. Uh, the Pick 6 podcast is our NFL, college basketball, college football. we got everything you need, cbssports.com slash podcast. We're back on HQ this weekend. So download HQ. Just get the CBS Sports app on your connected device. I watch on my Roku. You can watch on your Apple TV, on your Amazon Fire, whatever. HQ is totally free. It is a 24-7 streaming sports network, and it's terrific. And we'll be on from 3 to 7. As of now, things change, but 3 to 7 is our slot on Sunday, uh, so please check us out. Again, it's all free, and we have uh, no show on Monday. Well, we do have a show on Monday, sort of. No typical show on Monday. It's Memorial Day. We're going to record a mailbag on Friday and publish that on Monday, so send in your emails, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. 
All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to read an email of the day that is calling us out for not talking about a great player quite enough. We'll get to that right after this break on Fantasy Baseball Today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Brandon's got our email of the day, fantasybaseballcbsi.com. Hey, Mike, Mookie, Jose, and Francisco. Those are the Beatles. Yes, uh, why haven't you guys talked about Francisco Lindor? He was a projected top four pick before the injury, and that's what Mike Mookie, Jose, and Francisco are. And he has looked like himself since coming back, hitting for power and stealing bases. Parentheses, Scott. Where does he rank overall Scott. rest of season? And for dynasty purposes, Francisco Lindor. Okay, so Lindor has homered twice in a row, or two games in a row. Since coming off the DL, sorry, the IL on April 20th, he is only the number nine shortstop in points leagues and number six in Roto, despite pretty much doing what he did last year, except he is not walking at all. What do you guys think about Lindor rest of season and dynasty? This makes me think of, you know, back a little ways. We used to do player. Uh, we used to do the player news on uh, CBSSports.com, and I was part of that team. And one thing we would always struggle with is like, you wanted, we wanted to get to every player at least once per week so that everybody had something relatively fresh. But what do you do with Mike Trout? What, what, what could Mike Trout do that's newsworthy, that is worthy of something new? And that's kind of how I feel about Francisco Lindor. Like, he's been himself. So I don't know what well, there is to talk about, oh, except I guess that he's newsworthy. maybe falling a little short of the pace based on the rest of the shortstop prop uh crop but yeah and I, and I had i tweeted about this last week i think shortstop has just been absurd so far this season like carlos correa is the number 12 shortstop um and he's basically been healthy missed a couple of games so and has like a 940 ops right yeah he's been absolutely awesome so yeah i don't really worry about the he has not walked as much in 28 games i mean he still has eight of them it's not like he's just not walked um, I think he's going to be very, very good. I would expect if he continues at this pace, he'll be better than the number nine or number six shortstop because a few of these guys are going to cool off at some point. Yeah, he's but, going to be better than Tim Anderson for sure. Better than Paul DeYoung for sure. Better than Elvis Andrews. I don't know for sure that he'll be better than all those guys. Uh, one of them may stay hot sure. for most of the season. But one-on-one, -on -one, he's going. You you would pick him above all of them. Maybe you don't pick him over Mondesi or Story. Maybe it's more of a a coin flip with Baez or Bregman, but the, I think the point is he's performed like an elite shortstop the one, in a way that seems more sustainable than what half the guys in front of him have. The one thing that is a lot different besides the walks that I think might continue to be a lot different is he scored 129 oh. runs last year. He scored 17 in 28 games. I was going to say That's that. That's a pace for 95. Yeah, I was going to And there's say no that. Michael Brantley. Like, that makes a difference. And there's no sure. Jose Ramirez wherever that guy is. Uh, no, you're right. That is the big difference. He's he's not getting on base as much, and the, the runs pace is... Like, he's basically on pace for a very similar season to last year, but I think you're missing the storyline. Like He is himself. That's a huge deal, yeah. coming back from yeah. a calf injury, and the fact that he's run... He's stolen five bases. 
in six attempts. I think but that's himself a huge is deal. not going to be a top five player this year. No, uh, probably not. Uh, even from the point that he started, if he doesn't score 130 runs. But the problem is that that was impossible to see coming. Right. Like we obviously did not expect Jose Ramirez drafting him third overall to turn into Nicky Lopez. I wish he was Nicky Lopez. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it's, that's the kind of unforeseen thing that you just, you can't really account for. And you just kind of have to, if you're a Francisco Lindor owner, hope for better things coming in the run production category. Who would you rather have rest of season Lindor or Jose Ramirez? Lindor. Oh, Lindor. Yeah. He was one uh, spot behind him before the season, and he's been himself. He's been good. Yeah. Okay. So, worryometer coming up in a bit. Let's do the news and notes now. Christian Yelich was scratched with back spasms. Chris Davis is on the IL with uh, with an injury. You know, it was a hip. He says he feels it in his oblique. So, not good. Don't know how long he'll be out. If you're in a deep league, Mark Canna. Mark Canna's got some pop. I don't know how much he'll play. He did replace. Chris Davis yesterday. They have weird lineups in Oakland, um, but maybe Canna gets more more run. Um, maybe, I think he can uh, help you in a fail only. <laughs> Jose Altuve could begin a rehab assignment soon. D. Gordon is on the IL with a wrist contusion, so he hurt his wrist on May 9th, and he's been bad since, 3 for 24, and uh, he's out, so he's on the IL. Shed Long was called up. Any interest in Shed Long, who had a brief call-up and was bad, got sent back down, but you know, it was brief. Shed long. He's a he's a not uninteresting prospect, but I don't think he's a must add. If he's out there in your AL only league, you know, he's probably gonna play a little bit. I best best dog I ever had was a um uh poodle mix and he, he definitely shed long. I you know, I thought you were gonna say something like, I think you could shed him from your team, but that you went a different direction. Good for you. Ryan Healy is on the IL. So, again, we'll see if that means Dan Vogelbach starts playing against lefties. Uh, but Kyle Seeger should be back, I don't know, fairly soon. Uh, Brendan Rodgers has sat each of the last two games for Ryan McMahon. I'm starting to think I may have wasted a lot of fab on Brendan Rodgers, but we'll see. Same! Andrelton Simmons is on the IL with an ankle sprain. Shohei Otani... He may be done for the year. Oh, the year, really? It's a grade, it's a grade three sprain, which Com- is the the worst kind. So. Complete tear, they said. Yeah. Oh God, don't call it a sprain then. Well, like, that's a, a sprain is a tear. That's got to be uh, a tear gotta... is a sprain. Okay, Shohei Otani returned to the lineup. Javier Baez did pinch hit yesterday, but he's still gonna have an MRI on his heel. He can't run. He can hit. David Peralta left with a shoulder injury. He's had like a trap injury, so it might be related. Peralta, yeah, we've got to keep an eye on that. Giancarlo Stanton had leg tightness, but not a big deal. He could resume his rehab assignment today. <laughs> so uh, LOL, he's going LOL. From a bicep injury to a shoulder injury to leg tightness now? Well, yeah, he got the hit by a pitch. bone's connected to the shoulder bone is connected to the leg bone. He got hit by a pitch in the leg. He missed the game. He'll be fine, at least from that injury, I think. Scooter Jeanette hoping to come back in a couple of weeks. I got an interesting email. Who would you rather have rest of season as their timetables look fairly similar? Scooter Jeanette or Didi Gregorius? Scooter. That's what I said, too. Wait, what did you say? Mo- it, it mostly comes down to second base versus shortstop. Like, if Didi has the same season as he had last year and Scooter has the same season, Didi's pro- or Scooter's probably a much better player. Yeah, you said Scooter, much right, more Heath? About. We all did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Gregory Polanco sat with a jam finger. Francisco Mejia is going to begin a rehab assignment. Brandon Nimmo has a stiff neck. Jeremy Hellickson's on the IL but could be back soon. Hunter Strickland is hoping to return in mid-June. 
Not a bad guy to stash. Yasiel Puig hoping to return today. Yandy Diaz sat with a hand, con hand contusion. Masahiro Tanaka is going to start at Baltimore tomorrow. Mike Clevenger continues to make good progress. J.D. Martinez sat with an illness. He's likely to play today and be the best hitter in baseball for the next month. And Gerard Dyson started against a lefty, but he did not lead off. But that is good. Dyson's probably still under own. All right, here are some bullpen notes for you. Sean Kelly is off the IL, and he got the save. He did give up a run. Jose LeClerc pitched a scoreless eighth. Who do you want in the Rangers bullpen? LeClerc. LeClerc. Hector Neris was not used in a save situation. I do not think he was available. He had pitched three of the previous four days. Here's something I read in the recap of the Cubs-Phillies game, same game. Joe Madden said he's prepared to finish the season without a designated closer. As long as Pedro Strope returns effectively from a strained left hamstring and Carl Edwards Jr. rounds back into his 2018 for, uh, form. Brandon Morrow uh, is, has started to throw off flat ground. Summarizing there. I don't know what that means. I, 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 a lot of managers say this. More managers than used to are doing it now, but I don't. I, I would guess he'll settle in with one person who gets the majority still. I, that's always been right. So far this year, that has mostly been wrong. But I don't think, like... Not with the Cubs. I, I think that they've gone... I think they went to Strope, yeah. and then they went to... And yeah, now they're Strope at and the No, I meant that's been right universally around the league. Oh. Right, but um, Madden has a pretty long track record, and I, there might have been one year where they really did use a, a bullpen by committee in Tampa, but I think he's pretty much had a guy. All right, Cody Allen is back. He has five straight appearances with no earned runs. He does have one walk in each of those appearances. Who do you want in the Angels' bullpen? I'd still probably take Cody Allen. Okay, it's either him or Robles, obviously. Uh, and then Luke Jackson is maybe reminding us that he is not that good. He gave up three runs on four hits yesterday, blew his fourth save. I I definitely I, you got to pick up Sean Newcomb if if you need saves if you're speculating anywhere I think that's an easy place to speculate that Newcomb takes over there yeah I'm sorry Luke Jackson <laughs> Newcomb's for real so it's Worryometer time here we go it's Worryometer Wednesday I don't like that song by the way oh it's a fantastic song and you are a that. terrible person. <laughs> Like, you know we're recording this and sending it out to the general public. Yeah, I know. I don't like that song. I'm sorry. I mean, it's I, better than Old Town Road, but I, I don't like, like it. It is uh, obvious. <laughs> don't even put that in the same sentence as I, Old Town Road. I will j I'm beyond the point of being disappointed. This is going in the thread. <laughs> just, I didn't say it was bad. I just said I didn't like it. I like yeah, yeah, I know. Okay. All right. A couple of uh, Cleveland Indians to start the worryometer. I think Jose Ramirez is going to be a mainstay here until he turns it around. He's batting 194. He was the number one hitter in points leagues last year, number four in Roto. And we know last 38 games, he had a 577 OPS. That's 38 games. This is 47 games. That's a total of 85 games with a like a 175 batting average or so. Uh, Wariometer, 0 to 10 on Jose Ramirez. 17. <laughs> I don't know what the worryometer means anymore. With Jose <laughs> like, wh what new do we have to say? You he's are not, worried. He's not a 194 hitter. There's no way that he's a 194 hitter. So I don't know. Like, 
I just I I don't really have anything. Give us a number, Chris. No. Give us a number. <laughs> I will not. Seventeen. <laughs> no. He's so he's not a Juan on the worryometer. He's closer to a Ted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Something like that. Okay, fine. If you were going to draft today, when would you draft Jose Ramirez? He does have 12 steals. You couldn't. Oh, he's not draftable? Fifth round? Yeah, I was thinking fourth, but... Fifth round? Maybe maybe sixth? Do his past stats for the season count towards my total? No, it's just what he is the rest of the way. Okay, yeah, then, then fourth. You know, yeah. when Chris asks a question like that, Heath, I'm the one who answers. I set the parameters for the games and the questions, okay? Well, it doesn't seem like it. <laughs> Why? I, I said yes. <laughs> okay, well, Heath doesn't give you a chance. <laughs> yeah, right? Worryometer on Trevor Bauer, 0-10. to 10, Gave up four runs in six innings. Threw, again, 123 pitches. Yeah, Why not? Stop that. Why not, Frank Coda? <laughs> like... He he believes that he's indestructible, and that's why he keeps taking these one-year deals, and that's great, but I don't know, man. Like He threw a lot of pitches last season as well, but this is starting to get ridiculous, especially because it's not like he's been effective. Um, Zero to ten. So I have go. looked into the numbers a little bit. I, I think it's like a three. Uh, he's stopped throwing his curveball quite as much, and that's historically been his best pitch, so I think that's a pretty easy change that he could make and I think Adam a couple starts ago you said they said on the broadcast he didn't have the feel for the curveball maybe yeah um I think that's relatively correctable I would yeah. just I would rather see him throw 107 pitches in five innings yeah. next time out uh, I mean maybe nice if he could get through six innings on less than 100 innings, 100 pitches it would that would be very good I would say it, it depends on what like the worryometer on Trevor Bauer being a top eight starting pitcher is probably up to like a six now. But the worryometer and him being part of that ace tier, the top 15 or 16, yeah, I'm with Chris. It's a two or a three. I think there's an obvious thing we haven't mentioned yet. He's just he's not throwing strikes. He's got four and a half walks per nine. That's a career high. I was mm-hmm. watching the start yesterday, and he melted down in the second inning because he just could not throw strikes. So I think you look at three straight years between 2.9 and 3.3 walks per nine. It's not elite, but that's good. I mean, that's perfectly fine. I think if he starts throwing more strikes, he'll be better. I, look, I I have a team with Jose Ramirez and Trevor Bauer, and certainly how's that team doing? <laughs> okay, you know, like I'm like three roto points away from being in third place, you know. So, but I think I'm probably in like sixth or seventh. Uh, I'm gonna ride it out with Bauer, with Ramirez, Ooh, you, you know. To. Yeah, uh, with Ramirez, you know, I I said this last week. I said, could you actually sell high on Jose Ramirez with the thought of he's not that good, but a lot of people might think he is. And I don't even know how I feel about Jose Ramirez right now. Like, I still think he's good. I, I def- yeah, that's the thing. I don't think you're going to get fair value for what I would expect from him moving forward, which is not, to be clear, the number one player in fantasy because there's clearly something going wrong. But I would still expect him moving forward to be more of like a 270 guy with like maybe what we hope for from Tommy Pham okay. is what I'm expecting moving forward. But but let's take Juan Soto, just for example, third round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you, you know he was he was off to a good start. Then he went on the IL. Then he st- struggled. And hopefully he's snapping out of it. Who would you rather have, Soto or Jose Ramirez? Ramirez. Soto. 
How can you say Ramirez when you just said he's like a fourth or a fifth round pick? You would take Soto before that, wouldn't you? If we were drafting, I think today. Ramirez has a lot more upside, especially in a roto. League. But that's the thing. That's why I don't know if you're going to get fair value for Ramirez because you could probably get Juan Soto for him. That might end up being a great trade, or it might end up being a terrible trade because there's always a possibility that you trade Jose Ramirez and he ends up being one of the best hitters. I mean, he's been mm-hmm. two years in a row. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what fair value is for Jose Ramirez, as we don't I'm, know. I'm kind of in be. the same spot I was with with Chris Sale after the first month of the season. I just, I don't see any value in trading him. Um, and it's really hard to justify trading for him unless you could give up, you know, someone who's not very good. But I, we can't give advice yeah. hoping for someone being irrational. You know, like if someone's willing to give him up for a cheap price, like a sixth round value, yeah, go get him. But it's going to be hard to actually do that. All right. How about Chris Archer on the worryometer? He now has a 555 ERA and a 143 whip after a bad start against Colorado. Uh, Chris Archer, worryometer, 0 to 10. What was that course? So. No, it was not. I know. Okay. <laughs> I mean, with his track record, it can't be higher than like a three or four, right? <laughs> you mean his ERA can't be higher than a four? Because, yes, it actually can be. Uh, no, seriously, though, Archer, what do you got? Four. Yeah, I, I'm not. Probably a six or seven. Does he throw hard anymore? I feel like that's sort of a lost storyline with Chris Archer. He used to be a pretty hard thrower. I think he's like a 93-ish kind of thrower. Yeah, he's a, he's, his average velocity is actually down this season about one and a half miles per hour. Yeah, he doesn't is... have the arsenal to get away with that. No, and I I think this uh, this let's throw a slider and keep the ball on the ground thing is a really, really bad idea with his sinker. He, uh, he's given up a 752 expected slugging percentage on his sinker so far this year. So we might want to scrap that one, I think. As I argued with Scott last week about Archer and his track record, I did agree that he was a buy low. But I am going to, because my argument was more about the past, not the future. I am going to amend that I really don't, I'm just, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be the anti Chris Archer guy. I'm only buying low on Archer if it's like Zach Eflin for Chris Archer. If it's someone that I picked up off waivers, don't have a lot of faith in going forward. Like I trade Jake Odorizzi for Chris Archer. Uh, I would I do not. I really don't know what to say anymore. And his next two starts are against the Dodgers and the Brewers, so I don't think I want to start Archer anytime soon. Uh, yeah, that's that's a fair point. Andrew Benintendi. He is the number 39 outfielder in points leagues, number 52 in Roto. Uh, Andrew Benintendi, 0-10 to 10 on the Warriometer. Six. He's um, There's some stuff in the profile that looks pretty bad. He's chasing more often. He's swinging more often. He's missing more often. And some of that could just be a little bit of uh, chicken or egg. He's struggling, so he's pressing, so he's chasing. The In terms of the... Exit velocity, it's down just a little bit. He has actually have a little better launch angle, but I'm not um, I'm not totally convinced that he's going to snap out of this soon. Yeah, and I would say he has a higher launch angle, but as a left-handed hitter in Fenway who has, I mean, really just kind of average pop, I would think a higher launch angle in his instance might be a bad thing. He was in the 12-degree 12, uh, 12 
range last year. He's up to 17 degrees. I think that might lead to more uh, infield fly balls and, you know, poorly hit fly balls than you would hope for. He should probably be more of a line drive guy. And the Red Sox are only sixth in runs scored this year. So the counting stats don't look as good. Plus, he's not hitting quite as well. Uh, all right. I, I still think you could be worried about Benintendi, but I've seen some Benintendi trades lately that make me think you could still buy low on him and get a good mm-hmm. you know, must-start player. Maybe not a star, but someone that you're not taking out of your lineup. Starling Marte, 0-10 to 10 on Starling Marte. My hunch is that it should be pretty low because he's still on pace for... 30-ish steals. Most of the other things look pretty similar as far as his plate discipline. Uh, he has a 1.8 walk percentage, which is incredibly low. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, I would say I'm a three or a four. I, I still think he mostly looks like what I hoped he would. Yeah, I'd give him a four. I'd like it if he'd run just a little bit more. Keep the rhyme going. What's his floor? All right, Starling Marte. You're a bore. Is- <laughs> Starling Marte is batting 244 with four home runs and seven steals. Would you rather have Marte or Benintendi? Marte. Benintendi. Would you rather have Marte or Marcelo Zuna? Ozuna. Ozuna. Yeah. How about Daniel Murphy on the worryometer? Zero to ten for Murphy, who's batting 176 right now. Now the Rockies just finished a stretch of eight straight games against left-handed starters, and he sat six of them with Mark Reynolds starting. Um, Murphy, yeah, all right, 88% owned, 46% started, and only played 23 games this year. 0-10 to for Daniel Murphy. 11-500. He has a 250 Woba and a 222 expected Woba. There's just nothing good going on right now. Um, Yeah, 10. I'm not... I'd prefer not to drop him, but if he's a straight platoon player, I'm not sure how much value he's going to have it's really scary because the rockies have a very obvious situation that literally everyone who hopes they will do <laughs> and that's play ryan mcmahon at first and brennan rogers at second and eh, Trevor story at short i i disagree i still think the best version of daniel murphy is a lot better that than does, the best version of ryan mcmahon that, that, that's true but we we don't have a time machine he was really good last year a lot better than even ryan mcmahon's been this year so i i I don't think Daniel Murphy just lost it all of a sudden in the offseason. It he sure might looks have. like he did. He might have. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I would want to give him more than, what, 80 at-bats or whatever he's had? 74 at-bats. Yeah. Okay, so where is he? Where is Daniel Murphy in your first base rank? Oh, he's second base eligible, right? So where is yes. he in your second base rankings? Heath, you have, I see you have him 12th behind Senzel and Chavis, ahead of Jeff McNeil, Robinson Cano, yeah, it gets kind of ugly. Cattell Marte. It's just a terrible, him. terrible position. Well, Scott has Cattell yeah, Marte seventh. You have Marte fourteenth or sixteenth. I think I'd rather have Cano than him. Yeah, I'll probably, I haven't updated them since last week. Today is my day to update them. I I will probably move Cano ahead of him. I will probably move Marte ahead of him. Is um, that because he's a part-time player? Because I, I think. If you want to talk about an aging second baseman who's done, I think Cano is. More likely to be bad. Cano's profile looks much better than. Wrong. Disagree on that one, Adam. He is hitting the ball extremely well. Uh, But he can't. But he can't hit lefties. 
And I mean, th- neither can Daniel Murphy. Well, I don't that, know that's, that's true about Murphy. He might not get the chance to do it, but I, well, I don't know that that's true about Murphy. Why do you think it's not true about Murphy, but is true about Cano? It's not the strongest argument, so I'll give you that. Uh, Murphy was bad. <laughs> oh, because Cano well, hold on, hold on. I'll tell you why. OPS against lefties last year. Yeah, but the year before he was really bad. So it's basically two out of three years now for Cano not being able to hit lefties. Murphy had been very good against lefties uh, in recent years. I, I don't know if he was last year. You know what? I I can't really make that case. It's probably a toss-up. At least Cano gets to play against lefties. Um, I don't think Cano's that good. That's the thing. Like, he is basically an accumulator. I think that Murphy at his best is a is an elite hitter. Cano is nowhere near that. So that's why I would take Murphy over Cano. But if Murphy's going to sit against lefties, then it's obviously changed just the the story there. And then the Rockies have faced the most lefties in baseball, most at bats against lefties, which isn't unusual. But they will. Yeah, they will. They will be up there. And that's you really have to keep that in mind. Last guy on the worryometer is Tommy Pham. Uh, zero to ten on Tommy Pham. One or two. Yeah, I mean he's not that far. He is in one of the formats, but what he's number thirty-two in roto. Is that right? Uh, what? Are, yeah, thirty-two in points, forty-eighth in roto. He's got good plate discipline. Thirty-one walks at thirty-six Ks for Pham. Yeah, and and like on pace for twenty homers and twenty-five-ish steals and hitting two eighty. Like that's. Pretty much what I expect from Tommy Pham. And all of his his bad ball data through StatCast, at least, is all across the board very good, except he's hitting the ball on the ground just a ton. But he always has. Yeah, I don't have any zero, I guess. For Pham? I think, yeah, I think Pham is a weird player. Like, is it possible that at, still at this point in his career, we don't really know what Tommy Pham is? Well, yeah, we've... He Has he played, like, a full season yet? What's his career high in games played? I don't know. We, we're still dealing with relatively small sample sizes for a, what, 29, 30-year-old? Yeah. It's kind of weird. Plus, he's had the eye history. Mm-hmm. So, all right, I, Chris. I think uh, I think it was Dayton Moore that said you need 1,500 plate appearances to know what a player is. Mm-hmm. And he's at 1,660. So we know what he is. Low 800 OPS with a bit of pop and a bit of steel? Yeah. Speed? Yeah. Bit of steel. All right, hey, Chris, uh, I really wanted to talk about the Aces story that came out. That, you know, We talked about it in the spring training. I, preseason, can yeah. I say preseason? It's baseball. We talked about it before the season started. The Aces article was uh, a metric that kind of measures the stuff of pitchers, and mm-hmm. we had a re-release a few days ago. So we're going to get to that after Hey Real Quick. So let's do Hey Real Quick, and let's really do it real quick. I'm going to give us a minute and a half to do this. Hey Real Quick, Trey Turner or Mookie Betts? Mookie Betts. Mookie. Hmm. I think they're pretty... I think they're basically even. Turner is going to steal... Do? Yeah, Turner has six steals in nine games, so he's could be the best in that category. And it's hitting 297, so I think they're pretty even. Okay. Yeah, I would expect over the rest of the year Mookie to get on base uh, a lot more, and I don't think that Trey Turner is going to have a higher slugging percentage or hit... Uh, as many home runs as Mookie. Oh, hell so heck no. no way. I'll take Mookie. Yeah, I think it could be close in Roto. There's Heath, there's a reason you had him, Trey Turner, as your number one player in 2017. Right. 2018. Right. Um, in points, it's not particularly close. Yeah, I think in points, that's where the, the gap uh, emerges. Yeah, agreed. Yoan Moncada or Max Muncy, real quick. <sighs> Moncada. I'll go Moncada just because I do always have concerns about Muncy's 
playing time. And I don't really about Moncada. I think Muncy's probably a better hitter against left-handed pitching than Moncada is, though. Yeah, I wish the Dodgers would acknowledge that. Hey, he, yeah. st- he started 15 of the last 16 games, Muncy. But I still share your concerns. You never know what's going to happen down the stretch or you know throughout the rest of the season. But I brought it up because he has been playing more. And, and Moncada has cooled off. The last two weeks have been pretty good, but he certainly has cooled off from that hot start. Uh, hey, real quick, Pete Alonso or Joey Votto? I think it has to be Pete Alonso. It does. Probably. I, was, I will just point out that in the last 28 days, Pete Alonso is the number 20 first baseman in points, number 17 in Roto. He's still oh, hitting he's for cooled power. cooled down considerably. But yeah, he's still hitting home runs, but the batting average is, is way down. He's batting 207 in his last 26 games. Yet, I don't yeah, even what's know. What's Joey Votto done in I the last 28 days? I can't find Votto on the last 28 days list. I'm not even sure he's a top 40 <laughs> first baseman. <laughs> okay, um, so we're taking it's Alonso over Votto. It's a tough one, or it's a tough look oh. for our guy Joey Votto. But lucky, luckily for him, I think he still has like four years and eighty-five million dollars on his contract, so he's going to be okay. <laughs> okay, aces. All right, so the uh, the article came out. Why don't you talk about it, Chris? You're much more well versed in this. But what were your major takeaways from the re-release of the aces story? Yeah, so aces is a metric that attempts to quantify stuff. So it takes into account velocity, movement, and command into one metric and the nice thing about it is that you look at the top of the leaderboard Noah Syndergaard Jacob DeGrom and Garrett Cole right there so it and automatically passes the sniff test in that regard and so what's really interesting is when you get to guys who are a little less obvious Frankie Montas is the number seven pitcher in baseball based on that and it's largely I mean he rated out okay by this metric before this season but the splitter has taken him into the elite level, and that's a big part of why I really do believe Frankie Montas can be a very good pitcher moving forward. And then you've got Brandon Woodruff, number 11. That's really impressive. He's had sort of an up-and-down start to the season, but the stuff is obviously very good. Tyler Glass now, Chris Paddock up there. The Maybe the most interesting one is right ahead of Luis Castillo, who obviously has great stuff, is his teammate Tyler Malley, who yes. has integrated a new, I believe it's a curveball, Yep, And that pitch has rated out extraordinarily well. It's in the 89th percentile among all curveballs by this metric. And so that's a really good sign because he's someone who's always had great control and command. Now he might have a swing and miss pitch that he can go to. And I think that's why what we're seeing from him might not be a fluke. Yeah, okay, so the three that really jump out are Montas... Woodruff and Malley. Also, Jonathan Lewisaga is sixth. Uh, so he's got great stuff. He, he does. He's fifth. Does actually, no idea where it's going. Yeah, and he's on the IL. So you know, and Nathan Evaldi is on there too. Now, velocity is is obviously important on this list. Yeah. Uh, which is why, and we talked about this with uh, we t- we talked about this at the beginning of the season with Aaron Sauceda, who writes the story. The lefties don't show up well on this list because velocity, because yes. they have a lower velocity typically. So, you know, keep that in mind. In fact, yeah, and, and if you go to the story on CBS Sports, we have the top uh, 10 percentile listed in the story. The rest of it you can find on Sportsline. There's only one lefty inside the top 90, uh, the 90 to 100 percent range, and that's James Paxton. He's like 15th, I think. So that gives you a, a, a hint of the edge that right-handed pitchers typically have here, and you know, Aaron's talked about he wants to find a way to weight lefties so that they're 
given a little more um a little more value, but you also have to keep in mind that left-handed starting pitchers just generally aren't as good as the best right-handed pitchers and so you know that that might be a part of it. Okay, and we should mention Zach Wheeler is fourth and yep. he is good, uh, you know, and, and the walks are down for for Wheeler, so you probably missed your chance to buy low, but maybe not. So there you and go. He's coming off a bad start. No, he was good yesterday. He was oh, coming. The up. one before this was bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it eleven hits and six runs and six in uh, six innings against Washington. All right, th- that's good stuff. Make sure you check out that story. If you want to see the rest of it on Sportsline, you want a promo code, use the promo code PITCH to get your first month for only a dollar. Let's go through the rest of yesterday's action here. Uh, we did rank these starting pitchers part one. Let's do rank these starting pitchers part two. Caleb Smith, Zach Eflin, Marcus Stroman, Julio Tehran, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Jose Quintana. If you're watching the okay, video, have- you only see five uh, pitchers there. There's a sixth one. It's Tehran. I'm going to skip the names again, Heath. Sorry. Caleb- the graphics guys were like, you can't put Julio yeah, Tehran. Yeah, Tehran was... Taking Tehran out was the right choice. <laughs> okay, fine. So if we put Tehran last, even though he has a strikeout per inning and a 367 ERA. He, he's not on the list. It, Look at it. He's on my list. But, uh, I mean, I think you could make the case for him over Eflin or Strobin. But you wouldn't do that. I would put Caleb Smith in a... in a. I think he belongs in the part one. Like I, I don't yeah, see why we right. put Domingo Armand... Uh, ahead of him. Oh, I'd, I'd rather have him than Herman, and I'd rather have him than, than Wheeler. I think I'd probably still rather have Wheeler, but it's very close. I really Caleb worry Smith about is wins. legitimately good. I worry about a couple things with Caleb Smith. I worry about wins. And mm-hmm. uh, what's his inning situation? Because it's two starts in a row where he's thrown five innings and five and a third. Now, one of them he threw 106 pitches. But yesterday, why did they take him out? It, wasn't a, it, it was an AL park. Five innings, seven strikeouts, 89 pitches at Detroit. So I don't know what his inning situation is. I know he threw 77 last year, 119 and a third the year before that. That's, that's he's going to be thing. limited, right? Wheeler. But what's Domingo Herman's inning situation? Yeah, I also don't know, but but I know Wheeler won't be limited. So I I could see yeah, I could I, see Herman uh, and Smith. I, I I personally would definitely take Wheeler over both of them, but I I mean I get it. Smith is really really good. Yep. Yeah, I think he has made some some real improvements in you know his changeup especially has looked a lot better this season. So what about the rest he of the might have 3 list? plus pitches. What about Eflin, Stroman, Eduardo Rodriguez and Quintana? Quintana is far ahead of the rest of the group. Yeah. It, I think I would probably go Quintana shrug emoji. Yeah, maybe Stroman, Rodriguez, Eflin. I think I'd go Eflin, Stroman, Rodriguez. Stroman Just because I don't like F1 and Stroman have been really weird and, and Rodriguez has to a certain extent now as well. But I feel pretty confident unless they're facing one of the two or three best offenses in baseball. I'm going to start F1 in his next start. I'm going to start Stroman. I don't know how anyone could start Eduardo Rodriguez right now. Yeah, I, I think he's probably just more talented as as but that's not that might not necessarily matter. I mean you got Eflin and Stroman who have sub three ERAs, and then you have Rodriguez who has 61 strikeouts and 54 and a third. I feel like we like the we would typically like the profile better for Rodriguez over Eflin and Stroman. 
it's hard to justify starting Rodriguez now. His next start's at Houston, and then he's at the Yankees. Eflin, I'm not going to start at Milwaukee. Stroman, I probably am going to start against San Diego this weekend. Uh, yeah, I, I think with Rodriguez, you're right in that we would like the profile more, and we have liked the profile more for five years now. Last and year was a good year, though. Last year was a good year. year. One year, well, I guess technically two. With a 3.85 and a 3.82 ERA. Right. He's got a career 4.25 in 550 innings. And he doesn't stay healthy and he doesn't pitch deep into games. He's kind of like Robbie Ray. Except he's never had the good year. He's never had the good year. Yeah. Uh, so I think Eflin, not for my leagues, not for a lot of listener leagues, but because I, I can't sell Zach Eflin for anything in my leagues. Like everybody knows. He's got 39 strikeouts in 68 innings. It's not going to happen. But I do think he's like a, a great sell high just based on his numbers, you know? 100% agree. Interesting thing is he does rate out very well by the Aces metric. Um, so maybe the thing that's going to regress is that he's going to start getting more strikeouts. It's possible. I mean, his velocity is down from where it was last season, but he does rate out as having five above average pitches, which can go a long way. His whiff rate. It is, it not a, they may be above average. Yeah. None of them are, have been elite. Yeah. You want any of these guys? Fringy starting pitchers. Chris Bassett, dreadful. Spencer Turnbull, uh, bad. Matt Strom, fine, but doesn't strike guys out. But he's got a 306 ERA, 228 ERA since opening day, or his first start. Michael Pineda, Sonny Gray, Gio Gonzalez. Bassett, Turnbull, Strom, Pineda, Gray, Gio Gonzalez. I think Gray and Strom should be pretty close to universally owned. Okay. All right. That works. What about Bassett? I know it was one bad start, but he'd been a pretty good story. Yeah, that's that's really tough because he's been really good this season in a way that he never had been before. Right. And I my assumption is typically to just say that's not going to happen, but you know, his stuff is pretty good. I think like he's 69% owned, which is right about where I would say that he should be. And so if you had picked up Chris Bassett because he'd been good so far, this start would not be enough to make me drop him. But if he's on your waiver wire, I'd just leave him there. Yeah. All right. Finally, we're going to end the show. We got about two minutes left, guys, with the matchups for today. Starter sit. Frankie Montas at Jeffrey Rodriguez. Montas. Yep. Luis Castillo at Zach Davies. Castillo. I'm only starting Castillo. I don't buy anything that's happened with Zach Davies so far. Brad Keller at Michael Waka. I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. No Maybe way. walk in a points league, but probably not. Marco Gonzalez at Jesse Chavez. I don't know. Are they using an opener here? No. Yeah, I'll bench Marco Gonzalez at this point. Okay. Merrill Kelly at Eric Lauer. Nope. Mm-mm. John Gray at, I think, an opener for Pittsburgh. Montana Durapu? Durapau? Durapau? Uh, I. I, look, that's that's what it says right here. I'm going to go screen. with John Gray. Okay, I'll search John Gray. Although he's been John Gray again this year. Sabathia at Dan Straley. Sabathia. Yeah. And a lot of hitters against Dan Straley. Rick Porcello at Aaron Sanchez. I think I'd start Porcello. Yeah. Scherzer at Degrom. We'll start them both. Jose Urania at Daniel Norris. No. Nah. Rich Hill against an opener. Tampa Bay. Yeah, you start Ritual. Yeah. Homer Rachel. Bailey at Adam Wainwright. Hmm. No. I thought we were never talking about Homer yeah, Bailey. Yeah, sorry again. about that. Lump of Cole. Cole Irvin versus Cole Hamels. 
Cole Hamels. Hamels. And Ivan Nova versus Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole. Martin Perez at Matt Harvey. I'm starting nope. Perez. I'm starting Perez. I'm not. I might. Max Freed at Jeff Samarja. Free. Freedom! We're yeah. out of here. We'll talk to you tomorrow. He's got great stories about regression candidates, hitters, and pitchers. Check it out on the website. And uh, we'll talk about those on Thursday along with some trade talk. Talk to you then. <laughs>